Hello and welcome to Wineskins, a program featuring reflections on the lives of the saints and the sacred scriptures, along with a variety of topics and issues from a Catholic perspective. I'm your host, Father Jim Corda. Our show is sponsored by the annual Diocesan Appeal, the Catholic Communication Campaign, and St. Paul's Catholic Books and Gifts, a division of the Society of St. Paul. On our show today, I will interview Joan Lawson. We will also hear more about the life of Saints Peter and Paul and the readings for this 12th Sunday in Ordinary Time. That and more on Wineskins. In our current issue today, we will hear from Megan Farrell. Joining me now is Megan Farrell, who is the communication specialist for the Diocese of Youngstown. Welcome to Wineskins. Thank you for having me. You know, Megan, it's been almost a year now that you're with us here at the diocese. And as a communication specialist, what exactly do you do? And <laughs> what is your kind of your specialty that you bring to us and for us here in the diocese? Sure. The easiest way I explain to people is I'm the website lady. If you go to doi.org, it's probably me. But I also do other more kind of hidden publications internally, the communique, we have a central circular, and developing systems for us to communicate with each other across offices. So that is probably the most visible part of what I do. I know one of the things you had mentioned to me before the taping is that you're involved in internal communications. Why is it so important that people who work together kind of know what's going on together. Yes. There's a lot of aspects of that. I think the biggest, especially for me coming in new, there are a lot of questions that trying to figure out who knows the answer and where that information is, and then it being stored in different systems. One of the things that we're trying to do as a whole department, and it involves multiple departments, but I'm kind of helping look at what the different options could be and what processes we can use, is share How do we share that information, especially data, you know, lists of who the priests are and where they're assigned, what their correct titles are at the moment, who's working at the parishes, who are the religious who should be invited to event. All of that kind of information should be able to be accessed by multiple departments at the same time, and sometimes that's not the case right now. So we're kind of working on that. Let's talk about that whole sense of getting the right information out Mm. and how important it is because so often we see in our kind of complex and complexing world that we live in that information gets skewed and it's not always accurate. Why is that so important to be on the mark? The Good Shepherd knows the name of their sheep, right? Mm -hmm. And if to know if the one is lost, you have to count. (laughs) You have to know who you have. And so whether it's at the parish level, whether it's a school, whether it's a diocesan office, you have to know who your people are. You have to have their titles right. You have to have their contact information right, or they're not going to get the information. But the other part of that that we're trying to be sensitive to as a department is people gather information in different ways. So often we'll get into a rut of communicating just one way and if we don't open up to the other ways that people are communicating you know we have to communicate all those ways so we have a lot of what we call legacy content or processes like our print product right that we're changing over from a newspaper to a magazine we're keeping print we know there are people who depend on print even when i'm doing digital work 
how do I make that digital information accessible in a printable format so that, say, the local parish secretary can print that out and include it in the bulletins for the homebound? Those are the kind of things we're trying to be sensitive to is knowing who our people are, keeping in touch with them, and then also making sure we're communicating in multiple formats so we're reaching you know, our legacy folks who depend on those mass communication styles and also our folks, our, especially our younger generation, who expect a more personalized, individualized method of direct communication. What would you like to see the direction going for this whole sense of communication, not only just internally, but also especially with the diocesan website? One of the things that I bring from my previous job experience is thinking about usability and user experience. And again, that's something that happens at every level, parish, school. One of the things, for example, that I do, and I would like to see other folks do, is when you add something to test it in multiple formats, different sizes, different devices, different browsers, to see if it works, because it looks different in different places to different people. So you want to make sure, for example, if somebody has very slow internet, having a video, you can still look at it even if the video is so slow it doesn't slow down the entire website. That's, I guess, a specialty that I bring to this position, and I hope to share some of that with others as well. Well, Megan Farrell, communication specialist for the Diocese of Youngstown. It was a pleasure to talk with you today. I look forward to your presence again, uh, perhaps in the fall, where you'll talk a little bit more maybe about our diocesan website and how that has evolved over these years. But we thank you for keeping us grounded in positive, correct, accurate information. So thank thank you you very much. Pleasure to be here. For Wineskins, I'm Father Jim Corda. The Feast of Saints Peter and Paul is celebrated on June 29th. To tell us more about these holy pillars of the faith is Martha Coulter. She is from St. Jude Church in Columbiana. This solemn feast was already celebrated as early as 354 AD, and on the same date at a time when St. Peter's Basilica at the Vatican was still under construction. In the time of St. Ambrose, the Solemnity was celebrated in three station churches and also with the Vigil Liturgy. But in the seventh century, the liturgy was celebrated on two different days with the Feast of St. Paul assigned to June 30th. According to ancient tradition, Simon, whose name was changed to Peter, meaning rock, died by crucifixion with his head near the ground, as was the Roman custom for the crucifixion of slaves. Recent excavations confirm that the martyrdom of St. Peter around the year 67 took place on the Vatican Hill, where the Basilica of Constantine was constructed. Paul of Tarsus, whose name was originally Saul, was a Pharisee and a persecutor of Christians. He converted to Christianity after his extraordinary experience on the road to Damascus. After his second imprisonment at Rome, he was beheaded around the year 67, not far from the basilica that was given to the care of the monks in the 6th century. These two saints have always been coupled together in the devotion of the Christian people, as we read in the preface for the Mass. Both shared a martyr's death. In the opening prayer of the Mass, we read, that through the apostles, Peter and Paul, the church first received the faith. And in the opening prayer for the vigil, 
we refer to them as the apostles who strengthened the faith of the infant church. In the prayer after communion for the vigil, we profess that this faith had its beginnings in the teaching of the apostles. This apostolic faith is manifested as it was at Jerusalem in the breaking of the bread, the teaching and prayers of the apostles, and the community that is of one heart and soul through charity and the prayers of the apostles. Consequently, we pray for love and unity in the prayer over the gifts. In Rome, the city of the two apostles, the monument on Palatine Hill from which Caesar Augustus issued his decrees is reduced to archeological ruins. But the apostolic see, which according to St. Ignatius of Antioch, presides over the charity of all the churches, is rightly claimed as the Church of Rome that was crimsoned by the blood of these two great leaders. In the city of Rome, the successors of St. Peter have governed the church for 2,000 years, and the history of the popes is both tumultuous and brilliant. Finally, the martyrdom of St. Peter and St. Paul is also a symbol of the unity of the church, as St. Augustine says in the Office of Readings. Both apostles share the same feast day, for these two were one, and even though they suffered on different days, they were as one. For Wineskins, I'm Martha Coulter. With me again on Wineskins is Joan Lawson, who is the Diocesan Chancellor and Archivist for the Diocese of Youngstown. Welcome back to Wineskins. Thank you. You know, the last time you were here, Joan, we talked about a lot of different things. We talked about your work as the Chancellor of the Diocese, but we also talked about archivists and that kind of new work that's part of our Diocesan Church now. As you are in both of those positions, how do you see them overlapping? They certainly overlap because ultimately the chancellor is responsible for maintaining all of the records for the diocese, for the history of the diocese. So in every diocese in the United States, the archivist works for the chancellor. And so I just happened to combine both of those positions. But maintaining all those documents are the responsibility of the chancellor. You know, it's interesting as you were talking, I think of church history. You're a historian yourself and how rich the history of the church is and it's because we've maintained and treasured that history. Why is it important for us to hold on not only to the written word but to the spoken word as well? Absolutely, that's very true. We need to remember where we've been. We need to maintain our memory. And it's memory both good and bad. We have to acknowledge where we have failed as well as where we have excelled. Both of those things teach us and both of those things can keep us on track in the present. And as you say, there's the, there's the written word and you know, going back, centuries, but even in our diocese, we're two centuries of our history. Not everyone wrote, you know, in 1817 when we had our first parishes. And so that spoken word can also be very important. Or, um, if we're talking about 1817, lots of people did not leave written record, but they left their materials. So we might have something from someone in 1825 that, that had to do with how they kept church materials. You know, maybe we'd be lucky enough to have a piece of linen or, so, or something from there. And so that piece can speak to us 
in a way that the written record doesn't. For people to be able to look at something from the past, whether it shows daily use, you know, maybe in mass, or if it's something extraordinary, like a particularly beautiful chalice, it can reveal something about what people valued in the past and what they wanted to have kept. Let's translate that into kind of our everyday lives. Why is it important for us to kind of remember and and as a family to kind of pass on those traditions and stories? That's true in my family. I'm sure it's true in your family that as we look to that, you know, there's memories and there's stories that we do pass on, and it's important to do that. Why is that? A human being without their memories can't function well. A family in a community without their memories can't function well. And to hold on to traditions, some of them we hold on to and some of them we let go. That happens over generations and over time. But it reminds us of of who we are, where we came from, what was important to people. A lot of us came from people who migrated, maybe not even that long ago, maybe just a century ago, maybe 50 years ago, maybe 10 years ago. And we come from a culture and we move into another culture that changes how we do things. So we hold on to some things and transform it into new ways. But all of it informs us and gives us a sense of rootedness. You know, there are things I wish I knew about my grandfather. And the more that I could learn about him, the more I feel rooted and grounded in my family's work. So it just gives us a perspective and a foundation and that that sense of rootedness. I recently ran into a document from 1923. It was from the Diocese of Cleveland which we belonged to at that time. All of Northern Ohio was the Diocese of Cleveland at that time. And it, and it said, who gave to the support of seminarians in 1923? And I looked up my great-grandfather's and they were there. I was so proud of them. They both gave a dollar, which would have been a good, good percentage mm-hmm. of their income mm-hmm. at the time. So it was a good feeling to know, you know, my great-grandparents supported the seminarians at the mm-hmm. time, just as we want to support them now. You spent many years in parish work, in parish life. What has that experience helped you to transform into the work that you're doing now? Oh, I think it helps to know what's happening in the parishes, how people on staff in the parishes work, how volunteers in the parishes work, so that I have a good sense of what parish life is like. And now, for instance, I have to keep records on parish life. I have to keep the statistics. And so sometimes it's hard to get those statistics out of the parishes because they are so busy doing so many things. And so I understand that. So uh, when I call them, I can say, I know how busy you are. I just need these numbers. But I have every sympathy to know that those numbers that I need to make all the reports to national or Vatican groups that need those numbers, I know what it means that you had 17 baptisms in your church this year. I know what it means, all of the work that went into preparing the families and preparing the celebrations and what joy that brings. So there's a good sense of the humanity behind all those numbers, and it's a good feeling. What would you hope for the future of this diocese in regards to your work as the chancellor and archivist? 
my hope is that we continue on the path of spreading the gospel, of living out the love and mercy of God in the world among the people who surround us, and that what we collect and preserve in the archives can help people know how to do that, what people in the past did that can shed light on how we can spread the gospel. Well, Joan Lawson, Diocesan Chancellor and Archivist, thank you for your work, not only in those positions, but ensuring that the history of this diocese and the history of our church continues for years and centuries and millennia to come. So thank you very much for your time and your work. Thank you so much. For Wineskins, I'm Father Jim Corda. To receive more information and to listen to Wineskins, visit the website www.catholicecho.org. Stay with us. We'll be back in a moment. The first Sisters of the Humility of Mary came together in France in 1854. In their rule, approved by the Bishop of Nancy in 1858, the founding sisters gave expression to their faith and their lived experience. The entire community came to the United States of America in 1864, including nine professed sisters, two novices, three orphan girls, and Father John Joseph Begiel, the spiritual director for the little community, and their ecclesial liaison. In regard to the Eucharist, their rule translated into English in 1877 clearly stated that they will love and serve Jesus Christ in his real and natural body, that is to say the Holy Eucharist, in his temples and they will serve him in his mystic body, their neighbors, who are his members. The personal experiences of the First Sisters of the Humility of Mary was one of wonder and reception of God's gratuitous gift of love in the person of Jesus Christ. This lived experience was also one of meeting Jesus in the sacrament of the Eucharist and of meeting and serving him in the sacrament of their neighbor. The annual Diocesan Appeal, One in Hope, One in Mission, is the primary activity of raising funds to help the clients of Catholic Charities throughout the Diocese of Youngstown, as well as supporting the many ministries and activities of our Diocesan Church. This year's goal is $4 million. While that seems like a very vast amount, it is an attainable goal when everyone throughout our Diocesan community recognizes the way in which God has blessed them and offers whatever resources possible, coming from all of our parishes across our six counties, to truly be a people of charity, a people of hope, a people of mission. I thank you for your gift to the annual appeal, and I hope that together we might all continue to be one in hope and one in mission, building up the life of the church and building up the presence of Christ for all in need. God bless you. By the time we can walk, each of us yearns for the joy that comes from being able to do for ourselves. Church World Service believes that being self-reliant is a joy everyone should share. So around the block or around the world, share the joy. Church World Service.
What have you done for your marriage today? I gave my wife a hug this morning. I thought uh, I love her. I uh, did her hair this morning. I think it looks pretty good. <laughs> I cooked my husband's uh, favorite breakfast. I bought her an orchid. What have I done for my marriage today? I sent my husband a love email. I read the newspaper to my wife and it cracked her up. She's, but she's still laughing. <laughs> what have you done for your marriage today? Make a change for the better. Need help? Go to foryourmarriage.org. A message from the Catholic Church. Our song today is by the Kellenberg Memorial High School Choir. It is from their CD entitled, His Sacred Heart. I come to you when I need you most When everything has faded I put my trust in your hands, oh Lord In hopes that you might save me When all else had failed Your love prevailed So I am here to sing my love you thanks cause I have been raised you lift me up when I am down I give you thanks cause I have been saved yes I have been me up 
Our scripture reflections for this 12th Sunday in Ordinary Time will be by Father Chad Johnson. He is a vocation director for the Diocese of Youngstown. Today, as we celebrate the 12th Sunday in Ordinary Time, all of our sacred scripture readings are about faith and the important role that faith plays in all of our lives. In our first reading, Jeremiah experiences betrayal and attacks even from those he thought were his friends. But he remains steadfast in his mission, which he considers an act of faith and trust. He believes that God cares for those who are in difficult situations. Paul also, in our second reading, points out this importance of faith. Through our faith in Jesus Christ, we can be saved. Otherwise, we might fall into despair. And of course, in our gospel today, Jesus tells his disciples that they will face trials and even death. But worse than what can kill the body is what can kill the soul. We must have faith that God cares for us, for he knows all of us, each, intimately. So as we go about our day, we can take some time to reflect on where we're at and what we're called to do. Like Jeremiah, Where do we turn in times of trouble? Does our faith bring peace? Not just an absence of violence, but a true inner peace. And how can we see God working in that peace? And most importantly of all, what can we do to develop our prayer lives so that we can get a greater sense of trust in our God who never ceases to reach out to us. For Wineskins, I'm Father Chad Johnson. Trust in God. It is the God Jesus trusted on the cross when he was surrounded by mockery and whispers. For when every whispering lip falls silent and the clock ticks its last time, this is the God who will have the last word, the only word about us all. Wineskins is made possible by the annual Diocesan Appeal, the Catholic Communication Campaign, and St. Paul's Catholic Books and Gifts. The program is produced by the Roman Catholic Diocese of Youngstown. I'm your host, Father Jim Corda, wishing you a blessed Sunday and a safe week. What have you done for your marriage today? I gave my wife a hug this morning. I thought I love her. I uh, did her hair this morning. I think it looks pretty good. <laughs> I cooked my husband's uh, favorite breakfast. I bought her an orchid. What have I done for my marriage today? I sent my husband a love email. I read the newspaper to my wife and it cracked her up. She's, but she's still laughing. <laughs> what have you done for your marriage today? Make a change for the better. Need help? Go to foryourmarriage.org. A message from the Catholic Church. 
They say America is the land of opportunity, but for some, life isn't so easy. Right now in America, one in six children lives below the poverty line. That's nearly 13 million children of all races all across our country. Where do you draw the line and get involved? You can make a difference in more ways than you think. Go to povertyusa.org today because one in six children in poverty is one too many. A message from the Catholic Campaign for Human Development.